0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of God be and abide with us all in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the one who gives us grace. Amen. His grace is enough. It's enough for us. That's something that we remember each and every Sunday, and we celebrate this gift of his grace. This weekend, we also celebrate Labor Day, and Labor Day is a a holidays set aside to recognize that we work for the worker for the laborer for the one initially who was working hard in uh, maybe a factory or something like that that was um, in need of recognition but here we are a long time later and it's uh, now kind of the end of summer right labor day is you know you don't wear white tomorrow i guess I don't know, I can't keep track of that, but I don't know why that's important. Um, but it was, right, right after Labor Day was, I guess, I don't know if that, maybe it's, it's not a thing anymore. That's how much attention I guess I pay to that. But. It's also a three day weekend and an opportunity to, kind of the last hurrah of the summer time, even though school started a couple of weeks ago locally, so it's not like um, when I was a kid. When, when school started right around Labor Day, than it was, you know, this is officially kind of the end of summer. But as we think about labor and as we think about Labor Day, there's an important question that we're often asked. Well, maybe when we meet somebody for the first time, you, you learn a person's name, and in a short time within a conversation, often it comes up, what do you do? What's your career? What's your job? What's, what do you, how do you spend your time? because that's an an important part of our personality of our um, of of who we are it is what we do how we spend our time you, you you learn something about a person by understanding how they spend their day what's it, what do you do what we do as followers of Jesus is at least equally if not more important than what a person's career choices have been or job opportunities that they've received. We're in the book of James still that we started last week for this series, Intersection, about where faith and life meet. So if you have a Bible in front of you, you might want to open it to James, but we're actually going to be looking at uh, a lot of different biblical references this morning. Luther, like I mentioned last week, didn't like the book of James. Um, He didn't... didn't, um, Didn't necessarily want to take it out of the Bible, but because it's not so focused on the grace of God, more on the practical application of who we are in Jesus, it seems almost like it's a a promotion of doing good to receive God's favor. If you read it without understanding the full context of the New Testament, you can take that message away like James chapter 2 says, faith without works is dead. Like, works, you know, works are important, and they are, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But Luther's focus, because of the time in which he lived, when in the 16th century, the theology of the church was really promoting works, like you gotta, You have to do things in order to earn God's favor. This was the message of the church and one of the things that Luther pushed back on in the Reformation. That the way it worked was God gives you a little grace and then you do some works and then God gives you more grace and then you do some more good things and God gives you more grace and you progress your way up a, up the staircase, up the ladder. And eventually you make it to the goal, right? But that's how it was perceived and how it was taught. And and Luther looked into Scripture and found many places, and we're going to talk about some of them this morning, where it's not what you do, it's this gift. It's this gift of God to us. So Luther's focus was on that we're saved by grace through faith. That's why we sang that song, Your Grace is Enough, just now. Because it is God's grace And faith comes by hearing. The Apostle Paul writes that in Romans chapter 10 at verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So hear the word of the Lord. And that's not diametrically opposed to what James says. If you're in James and you want to flip back to chapter 1, see this at verse 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So James says that about the word. What's the word for us? The word of God's grace, the word of God's mercy, the word of forgiveness that we hear. Listen to the voice of Jesus. We hear that voice in the word as we read it, as we digest it, as we meditate on it. As we sing through our songs and hymns, we sing the word of the Lord. As most know, Paul is an instructor with body and soul, and I've been involved um, with that ministry as well for the last uh, couple years, I guess. And uh, one of the things that body and soul does, focuses on, is that the songs that they choose have Christian words in them. So their promotion of faith or faithfulness or of what God has done for us. So the lyrics of the songs, and honestly it started because a woman who was doing exercise set to music was like, there's some really good Christian music, why can't we do it that way? So that the songs build up the soul while the exercise builds up the body. And that's where the name came from. So we hear the word of the Lord in music, in speaking, in reading. And in all of these ways, we receive that word so that we can believe what we hear. Some things sound too good to be true, right? Like if, if, uh, if there was a news source, like sometime you could look up The Onion, which is a satirical website. But oftentimes they'll put things on there that are just completely fabricated stories that, you know, they're written like they're news. (laughs) And every now and then I'll see one that somebody posted or emailed or whatever and like the headline is like, wow, that's awesome. And then you read some of the details and you think, wait a second. And then you get to the end and you realize, oh, wait, this is from this satirical website that does this to mess with people. (laughs) Right, Like if someone said the National Oceanic and uh, whatever it is, NOAA, atmospheric, yeah, that's the one, administration figured out a way to gather clouds that are um, over the Gulf and drag them to the west coast to rain on the wildfires, right? That sounds too good to be true. You know why? Because it is. Too good to be true. That's, that's how that cliche goes, right? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I've heard people leave out the probably. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Too good to be true. Max saw an advertisement for a car on a social media site um, sometime in the last week. And it sounded too good to be true. But he, you know responded, clicked on something, emailed, I don't know exactly what he did, but he got a response back that he forwarded to me. And he said, Dad, does this look suspicious to you? And I read through it, and I thought, I would stay away from that. Because it's just, I was skeptical, cynical even, about what this person was asking him to do the information that they were going to ask for, and I thought, oh, this is just how it starts, right? Fishing, yeah, exactly. And I saw just uh, in the last day or two that um, gift card phishing is a massive amount of money every day is being transferred through gift cards because people get solicitations, um, you know, They're they're told that they can win something or that someone needs help or whatever. And the way that it happens is by gift cards. So it starts off with something that sounds too good to be true, but then a person believes it and walks down that road and ends up being taken advantage of. So it makes us skeptical. It makes us cynical about things. And, And so it's hard for us to believe everything we hear or see or read. Maybe especially things we click on or click to get to whether that's emails or websites or whatever because there's so much information and a lot of it eh, not so accurate right if it sounds too good to be true but we can believe in God even though it sounds too good to be true sometimes there are parts of this faith that sound too good to be true The Son of God was made man. What? How could that be true? And he took our sin, our guilt, our misdeeds, all the things that we've done, and he went to the cross where he died in our place. That sounds too good to be true. That sounds way too good to be true. He died for us. He was put in the tomb. And three days later, he came back from the dead. Well, now that sounds way too good to be true, right? And yet, this is what we believe. A life saturated in the word of God yields faith. Isaiah chapter 55 says it this way. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. This is God speaking through Isaiah. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God gives us His word to bring us to faith. And we're saved through that faith. John chapter 20. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We have this grace from God through the work of Jesus received by faith. And Romans 10 goes on to put it this way. Romans 10, we we started with that. Faith comes by hearing. And if we back up a few verses, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's where salvation comes from, through faith alone. Or in Latin, sola fide. It was one of the pillars of the Reformation. Faith alone. That it's not what we do. It's not anything we can earn. It's not some effort that we make that makes God go, ah, here's a person I can love. No. So faith alone saves us, but faith is never alone. That's from Luther. Faith is never alone. Faith leads to love. Faith in God leads us to love. We love because he loved us. Those words are from 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. We receive the love of Jesus as a pure gift. God loved us and we had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Nothing to do with it. He loved us before we existed. He loved us before we were born. He chose us before the foundation of the world, and in love he predestined us. Ephesians chapter 1 says it that way. So we love. Having received this love, we love God because we have been loved. Responding to this gift that we have received, we love. We love God, we love Jesus, and love for God overflows into our relationships i remember as a kid learning the golden rule probably you did too do unto others before they do no that's not it do unto others as you would have others do to you i don't know that when i learned that i knew that the person was quoting jesus (laughs) But those words are found in Matthew chapter 7. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is what God wants. This is what God has been trying to instruct his people for from the beginning. Do to others, do good to people, and it works. That's why we teach that to our kids when they're little, when they won't share toys. Well, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And wow, what a lesson it is that we still need to learn as people. That we should always have that in mind that we should do unto others. So treat others how you want to be treated, with kindness, with compassion, with love, with care, with respect. Isn't that how we would want to be treated? Similar in James chapter 2, we heard these words read about partiality. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus. As you hold the faith. So it started with faith, even in James. As you hold this faith, now don't show partiality. Don't judge people based on their appearance. And then he gives the example of rich versus poor. At the times James was writing, wealth was believed in a significant way. This was taught. That if a person was wealthy, that was clearly evidence that they were favored by God. That they had deserved that abundance and that gift. But James argues that the poor are chosen to be rich in faith. He's not saying that all poor people are rich in faith or rich people have no faith but he's leveling the playing field in terms of who's got faith and so it's not the rich person who has the favor of god and the poor person who's being punished by god he's kind of putting everybody together and saying if we choose and favor and acknowledge and make the best seat available for the rich person then we're doing it wrong because we should treat people the same. And then James quotes Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. And he means by that, love every neighbor. What the whole chapter really is saying is put the word into practice. Put the word into practice. James chapter 1, and we started there. Which is, This is a, a little piece of chapter 1 that we didn't get to last week, and the, the way the readings are set up, it jumps over that. But at verse 22, he says this, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word. Bear the fruit of faith, in other words. Matthew chapter 7, this is um, words of Jesus. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. When I was growing up, there was, I lived on a property with an apple orchard. So probably it looked similar to what Melpitas used to look like. And you can still find some orchards around. And we had apple trees, and they'd... A lot of them had been planted by my grandpa and my great uncle, and um, they were big, old trees, spaced appropriately at the right distances for the pollination and the things that had to happen. And, and so we would you know, run the, the big mower down between them. Mostly my dad did that because I was a little kid and I wasn't going to run that. But we would cut that. We would work to cut under the trees and cultivate them and things like that. Well, when my dad was young, especially his uncle, did that a lot, like spent a lot of time in the orchard and took care of the trees, and and, um, it was a great orchard. But my dad, because of what he did and his career, didn't have as much time as my uncle had, my great uncle. Um, And so the orchard had other things start to grow, other volunteers right, that come up from seed that the birds plant or however they get there and so trees would start to grow up in like underneath the tree and grow up into the apple tree and there were times when those volunteers would start to take over but the volunteers didn't have any fruit they sprung up wild and there was no crop the bad trees so then we would get to those trees and, with a chainsaw, kind of crawl under and cut the bad tree down and pile up all the stuff that didn't belong in the orchard. And then sometime in the late fall or the winter, it was, it was nice to do in the winter, we would light that pile on fire and burn all those bad trees. So I've lived those words that Jesus talks about, these bad trees that don't bear good fruit. And the good trees that bear fruit, and the trees that are bearing fruit stay in the orchard and continue to bear, and get pruned and continue to bear. And the Bible puts that kind of agricultural metaphor onto our expression of faith a lot of times. Bear good fruit. Do the things God calls you to do. James says that faith without works is dead. A cliche for us is actions speak louder than words. Yesterday, I was over at Milpitas High School because um, a couple years ago, we built a prop for the marching band, and as marching band season is underway now, and they're working toward competitions, what we're going to do is take the Take that big prop and break it down into its component parts and then build it into something else. Use that same material to build new stuff. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a meeting, a get-together with a few of us to kind of rough out the concept. This is what we're trying to create. And so we talked about it, and we even you know, made a few kind of preliminary sketches. And we set up that yesterday would be the day that we would start to reclaim the old pieces. Yesterday morning, I didn't really feel like doing it. (laughs) Woke up in the morning and thought, I don't want to do it. It's going to be hot today. What What accomplishes the goal? Now, we do have to talk about it, and we do have to get the ideas and the thoughts and the concepts together. But those ideas and concepts and discussions don't get it built. Make sense? Doesn't get it done. God calls us to action. God calls us to get things done. Not just to gather and talk about the ideas and the concepts, but to take action. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where faith meets life. This is the intersection In other words, as James says in chapter 2, a little further down, don't say be warm and well-fed and not help meet a person's needs. That's a paraphrase of what he says there. So when all is said and done, let's make sure more was done than said. Or as Nike likes to say, just do it. (laughs) Do it. Because good works are evidence of a believing heart. Verse 18, someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your work apart from faith. Sorry, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James is saying you can't have faith apart from works. If you have faith, you're going to do it. Similar to Jesus, that the good tree bears good fruit. What do people see? What's the evidence? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, I shared the words about, by grace you're saved through faith. That's verses 8 and 9. In verse 10 he says, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul wrote about doing. And James writes about doing. Luther liked Paul better, but James has a point. (laughs) We should do it. The works of faith. What does it look like? For each of us, it may look a little bit different. Because God calls us to different things. God gives us different opportunities, different skill sets. Different relationships in which we operate. Different neighborhoods in which we live. But for all of us, it probably looks like love, compassion, kindness, generosity, Care for people, especially those who are lonely or hurting or marginalized. There's a lot of things that we can do that have a lot in common. And maybe it all comes back to love your neighbor as yourself. Build your house on the rock. Toward the end of our gospel reading from Matthew 7, Jesus again talks about doing Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. To hear the word, to believe the word, to have the faith. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, bringing us to faith and building us up in this faith, and then we put that into practice. That we do the things God has prepared in advance for us to do. Do what Jesus calls you to do. What can you do? What can you do today? What can you do this week? That demonstrates your faith in Jesus. Even if nobody's watching. But maybe especially if somebody is. Whose life can we affect? Whose eternity can we alter? Through the things that we do in Jesus' name so that we can live for the glory of God. Amen.